fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 744 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How's things going for you? Uh, honestly, it's been a horrible week for tech for me personally. Oh, what's going on? Or what's not <clears throat> going on is the say, question. What's not going on is more to the point. I've had everything from uh, Wi-Fi's route, Wi-Fi networks just disappearing off computers to hardwired networks disappearing off the network to CCTVs disappearing off the hardwired network to the internet not interneting to <laughs> browsers not browsing. You name it. It's been a horrible tech week this week. Wow, that's no good. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we've, we've got a tablet that we do, use our point of sale. Have done for six months. Yep. It's been our primary point of sale, been on the Wi-Fi, nothing's changed. And at least five or six times a day since Monday, it's literally, ta- it's an Android-based tablet. It runs Square and runs Zero, which the two apps that it basically, it's all it ever runs on. And it drops the net. Well, it doesn't just drop the network. It actually deletes the network. Oh. So instead of going, it it just pops up randomly going, can't find Wi-Fi network. And you go scan and it goes, oh, there's your network. And you go click to join. It goes, please enter the credentials. So you enter all the information, and two hours later it goes, can't find network. Oh, jeez. So it's been What's doing that for the last few days. And then it's never, ever, the entire time, it's been the only thing for the last six months that hasn't had any problems. It's worked perfectly. I hope it doesn't happen in the middle of a sale or something. Uh, that's generally when it happens. Oh, it only yeah. usually happens when you're using it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it can sit there all night, overnight, and, and I can be logged into it because I use... Um, Kind of is it like a touchscreen terminal for keypad for pin number and stuff, and I've got a PC in front of it that I use for the point of sale stuff, and then I just switch screens to use the tablet to bring up the, the FPOS. Yeah. And it, it can sit there all night perfectly fine, and they come in the morning, it's still logged in, and it works perfectly. Within 10 minutes of being there, it drops off. Come on. <laughs> so there's that, and then I've got hardwired CCTV cameras that are Cat6E cable, and not just Cat6E, it's all Cat6EU, which is all the underground ultra-thick cable, the best stuff you can buy, with the gold um, the gold-plated uh, ends, and, you know, like, it's it's all um, braided cable, like, it's the best quality stuff you can buy, with a brand-new power over Ethernet Cat6E gigabit switch, 
an, it's on its own contained network with a DVR, a computer set up as a DVR to record all the, the cameras. Yep. And been rock solid for the last six months. It's never missed a beat. Now, every 20 minutes, it drops all the cameras. Uh, and then... I think they liked your old shop better. <laughs> That's the problem. And then the, you'll be using the computers, whether they're hardwired or Wi-Fi, and they'll go, internet not found. <laughs> but the one next to it's still working, and it's hooked up to the same thing. And then the only thing, I have to admit, the only thing that hasn't played up is the phones. Ah. Um, and I don't think it's actually the internet playing up, because the phones haven't played up. And normally they're super fussy, the slightest hiccup in the internet, and the phones usually go screwy. So it's actually the only thing that's not playing up is the internet, but it's the only thing I can't access. <laughs> and then today we discovered this really interesting um, phenomenon in Canary. Yep. So if you're a user of uh, of Canary, you might have done something like, I don't know, insert web address here, right? And you're going to yep. go, oh, I just need to copy that to do something. We'll just, uh, we'll just, copy, that, cop- we'll just copy that address. <laughs> Apparently not doing that too let's go copy oh wait what install whatsapp why do i need to install whatsapp oh okay well i'll just paste that address into here then shall i oh hang on um, tweet about whatsapp i need to log into twitter <laughs> and what was the other one i did oh was it cut yeah so if we go in here and we go cut we can go hey let's just let's talk about Plug. whatsapp on facebook <laughs> Now, I thought it was anomaly with the work one, and in all, I've been intrigued We spent hours. Spent hours trying to figure out. I come home, a completely separate system, and a completely separate login, not even related to the same system. Like this, this has never been logged in as me. This has only ever been logged in on a different user. So, on a completely separate system, and a completely separate network, and a separate town, and does exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I I had never used Canary, so I wouldn't come across it. But, but it's weird. Why WhatsApp? What like <laughs> out of all the possible things? Why does it, Copy want to install or promote WhatsApp? Yeah, Copy would take well. It would take you to the WhatsApp app if you had it installed. Yeah. Because I don't. It takes me to install the WhatsApp. Twitter yeah. takes me to tweet about WhatsApp, and the other one takes me to Facebook to post about WhatsApp. <laughs> I don't understand. They've done a, a deal with the Googles to promote <laughs> WhatsApp on Canary. Maybe somebody <laughs> has checked something into the Canary code base saying, this will help you with a driver or something, and instead did all this WhatsApp stuff. And there's nothing on the internet about it. Nobody's talking about it. And, I mean, it can't be just me, surely, because I've had it on I've actually tried it on a third. You're the system. only person in the world that's actually using Canary. They're yeah, building it specifically probably, for you. That could be what it is. Well, I tried it on the our media center as well. Yep. Because it runs Canary. Because I use a Canary browser for my own personal logging generally. But the one in the media center hasn't been logged in. It's still just the default install from Canary without a user logged in at all. Yep. And it does the same thing. Ah. So there's three. So there's three three. Canaries on three separate systems that do it. <laughs> Some sort of adware going on there somehow. It's got to be something in Canary though. Yeah. Because the media center is isolated. It's behind a double firewall and not directly connected to the internet. It's indirectly connected to the internet via two routers. 
So it's not like a virus could just ha- accidentally find its way on me. Only your three computers got infected. Mine, I get, okay, because <laughs> this computer I'm using now, I don't actually run updates or, well, as little as possible, the ones that are yep. forced upon me, but I don't generally run updates and I don't have virus scanners and I've got Panda, but I don't have any hardcore on this one. The one at work is fully protected. Yep. Um, I ran the um, Trend Micro online scanner. Hmm on that computer and it didn't find anything and windows defender antivirus stuff doesn't find anything no so i have no idea what's going on there so if anyone out there is using canary uh or chrome beta i think they're calling it now but anyway canary effectively the yellow icon one um if anybody's using that let us know will you does it is it when you go into the address bar and you go to copy or paste or cut is it doing anything weird for you? Because I have a control, hard time. Control, copy, paste, yeah. and cut works. Keyboard shortcuts work. And if you go to the drop-down menu and use edit and it's got cut, copy, paste, they work. Yeah. yeah. But it's only if you right-click with the mouse in the address bar, yeah. try copy, yeah. paste, there's or cut. One, there's ones down here work in, in this bar over here. Yeah. It's literally only in the... And it's only in the... It's not in the search bar. Oh, actually, is it? Hang on, I didn't try it. The one is, is it in the search bar down here as well? Uh, no. No. Although... Just what they call the awesome bar these days. Oh, is it? At the top. They don't have a URL bar anymore. Everyone calls it like the awesome bar and stuff. We're searching and website addresses and everything goes now okay so yeah i don't know it's (laughs) bizarre it's weird so that's you know just topped off my fantastic tech week (laughs) it's just been absolutely horrible oh and then you can't hear this show because our technology is not working the other thing was uh afterpay trying to set up afterpay that has been a week of struggle. Man, because they've gone after pay card now and it uses Google Pay, so it treats it like a credit card. Right. But you've still got to authorize after pay. But they've taken the standard authorization that we used to be able to do manual entry. You're not allowed to do that on the back end anymore. Oh. So you've either got to have the API for the website, which we'll need to install for the store. If you've got a store, you need to install the API, which I get. But then when you, you're in store, you can't, used to be able to go into the back end and make a sale and they could you could accept the sale from the app. Yeah. But the app now only works and it doesn't work on my phone because my phone doesn't have a um, NFS, NF, NFC chip. chip in it. And so the app won't work because the app needs NFC because it's using it as a digital card like through Google Pay or through <laughs> Apple Pay. <laughs> So uh-huh. even though I can use NFC on my watch, which supports Google Pay, yep. and I can tap with that, I can't install WhatsApp. Uh, bloody WhatsApp. I've got WhatsApp on the <laughs> mic. I can't install Afterpay on my Google Pay because you've got to do a, you've got to create a link from the app to create the virtual card to connect to Google Pay, but. Google Pay support, my phone supports Google Pay, but doesn't support Afterpay, 
and my phone doesn't have an NFC, so it won't let me create the card. <laughs> well, it's like, oh, for shit's did sake. they make it more complicated just for you? I'm thinking so because like a month ago, it wasn't this hard. Yeah, well, they waited till we wanted to sign up for it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we've got Afterpay sorted, so we we accept Afterpay now. Hooray. Um, dot com dot au. The shop's not up yet; will be soon. We almost got done, but we support Afterpay, so that's good. We support it in store as well now. So it's finally after dicking around got that work, and then we get a uh, Aussie Techheads uh, group chat gets a message today. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. I uh, can't find the message. Um, about the RSS feeds not working in their podcast client. Huh. Uh, and the last two weeks, they've had to watch it on YouTube. Oh, no. I feel so sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> Many apologies. But uh, uh, the general consensus for that one, um, it does happen occasionally. RSS feeds are, are literally a text file, um, and they can just go screwy occasionally. Uh, the best way to solve that is to unfollow the feed and then refollow again, and it'll rewrite the, that file. Um, make sure you refollow it because if you don't, it won't work at all. Which, depending on who you are, yeah, <laughs> you might just want to unfollow it and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that will solve that problem generally. Um, unfollow, refollow the feed. Some, depending on the client you're using, some give you a refresh option where it refreshes the feed link. Um, but quite often, unfollowing it will actually it'll delete the link. So if it's slightly corrupted, it'll fix the problem. Um, so yeah, how so we'll save you from the the gory details of having to watch us on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so all in all, tech's been horrible this week. Man, <laughs> I've been trying out Windows 11 and having a ball of a time. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, I can't run Windows 11 because it slows my computer down by like 25. percent Yeah. Because <laughs> I got an AMD chipset. <laughs> Sad wheel noises. Uh, goes great on my Intel i7, and it, I dual boot it because I had a, a um, NVMe M2 hard drive that uh, didn't have that much on it, so I moved that to one of the other drives and then set up Windows 11 and the dual boot on that one. And it does it all for you. When, when you've finished rebooting all the things, it just goes, oh, we noticed that you got Windows 10 here, so you can click that one or click Windows 11, whichever you want. You can set it up in the config to automatically start Windows 11 after five seconds or three seconds or whatever you like. But um, when you hit Windows 11 to start it, three seconds later, you can log in. It's got the login box. You type that in. And then like with the old Windows 10 and others, you would still have to wait while it's loading up all the icons and all the drivers and stuff in the background. No, with this one, straight away, it's there. And... Um, I also like that they got uh, the direct storage technology that they created for Xbox to make seamless loading of game assets and stuff is coming to Windows 11 soon and uh, should make open world games a lot better because they won't have to stop the game and put up loading screen and then have those silly tips like the best way to not die is to keep your hit points above zero points Mm. (laughs) and helpful hints like that. So everything will be a lot faster, but the, it's not just something that'll just start working. The developers have to actually program in the system to be able to use it. But basically, instead of all of the data coming through one pipeline, it opens up parallel pipelines and the data just sucks straight into the computer and 
right up to the graphics chip straight away. So very fast and easy. Uh, they've got high dynamic ranges built into it. So some games can turn that on, but you can turn that off with a keyboard shortcut anyway. So um, I just like the style of it, the layout, everything I've tried works. I've got some old stuff from Windows XP days and Windows, um, all the older Windows 8 and 7 and stuff still working on here. Uh, latest drivers are still coming out for my graphics card and chipset and stuff. The only thing hey, that went really <laughs> slow before I updated the motherboard chipset drivers was... Um, Facebook in the oh, okay. browser. Go to facebook.com. It load up all the text on the page and then sit there for like five minutes trying to load graphics for some reason. Maybe it needs graphics acceleration added on the chipset or something. They'd had the graphics driver for the NVIDIA card. So that was fine. So in the end, I just um, downloaded all the motherboard drivers for my motherboard, which was a bit out of date. They're still only for Windows 10, but it works fine. Windows 11, suddenly everything's blitzing fast. I try trying to use hardware acceleration by default on the browser. So, so I've seen so that it happen. enabled itself after I put the chipset drivers on. No, a lot, a lot of the time the browsers, by default, try to use hardware acceleration, and a lot of the time that slows things up. In, in my browsers, I actually turn it off. I find it runs faster with it off. Yeah, yeah. But this was something neat you're talking about that uh, gener- it by default just handles Linux. Yes, yeah. You just literally tell it to install. It's, it's all. It, you would think it was native. Yeah. Yeah. The the YouTube video. The guy even has a Rick Roll video with <laughs> Rick Astley that he tests and it just pops up in a video window and it just looks like it's part of Windows. It's a Windows app playing video, but it's not. It's actually uh, MPV, which is a media player for video on Linux. And that just starts up and starts it in a window. The other thing he was showing there is he installs a, a GUI app called Giggle, which would launch in X windows. And uh, once the app is installed on his Debian, through Windows Terminal does all of this stuff. Windows 11 creates a shortcut to it on your taskbar and your start bar, or just the start bar, sorry. So you can just click on the Giggle icon. It'll launch a virtual um, Linux in the background where it was installed, but you won't see that. It'll just look like this Giggle application is running on Windows. You can just launch it straight from your Windows start menu. And you can explore the file system natively. Yeah, you can go to the C drive from Linux or you can go to the Linux drive from Windows and they all appear there. There's a little, uh, on your networking down the bottom, there's an icon called Linux and you can have multiple distros installed. You can have multiple distros installed and running at the same time. So he splits up into the uh, t- uh, um, terminal into four separate windows, runs Ubuntu here, a different version of Ubuntu, and down here runs Debian, a different version of Debian. They're all running at the same time, no slowdowns or anything. And the, the way you install it is just um wsl dash dash install and then type in debian or your specific uh version of whichever linux distro you're using and it just 
grabs all the packages, downloads them, installs them, and starts it up. It's fantastic. Sounds, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of like running in and out days. You used to run wine or you used to run whatever. But uh, it was always obvious that it was an emulator because, you know, you'd always have to set up hardware exceptions like through passes for network cards and sound card yeah. drivers and stuff. But it's you literally... You saw VMware, yeah. VMware player or... And it was um, always noticeable. Box. You know, it was always slower. Like you, you knew yeah. that you are using an emulator even if it was fairly good. But from what I can tell from watching these videos, it, it runs, from what I can see, at effectively the same speed it would run as if it was native. Yeah. I mean, it's just got a virtual Linux distro running in the background that you don't see or well, well I mean, you can see if you want to. You just open the terminal, yeah. bang you're there. I mean given but, that yeah. effectively Windows is running on a Linux back end anyway. Anyway. You, <laughs> you, wouldn't think it's, too. you wouldn't think it's that much of a stretch to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's funny all these years of them shunning Linux as the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Since uh, Sachin Nadella came in, he's like, why don't we embrace this stuff? Because Windows 11, an update is going to come out soon that will let you run um, Android apps native. Oh, really? Yes. Nice. So you can run Linux stuff on those virtualized systems uh, that look native, and you'll be able to run all the Android apps native as well. Because all Apple users know that you know all your iPhone stuff runs natively on your Apple. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no, because that would be the same company working with the same company. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how that would be a problem. <laughs> Actually, got those, uh, can segue into my first story, which is well, about that, that case, anyway. Well, I better do this. For years now, Windows 10's Windows subsystem for Linux has been making life easier for developers, sysadmins and hobbyists who have one foot in the Windows world and one foot in the Linux world. But WSL, handy as it is, has been hobbled by several things it could not do. Installing WSL has never been as easy as it should be, and getting graphical apps to work has historically been possible, but also a pain in the butt that required some fairly obscure third-party software. Windows 11 finally fixes both these problems. The Windows subsystem for Linux isn't perfect on Windows 11, but it's a huge improvement over what came before. Microsoft has traditionally made installing WSL more of a hassle than it should be, but the company finally got the process right in Windows 10 build 2004. Just open an elevated command prompt, type WSL dash dash install at the prompt and you're good to go. Windows 11 thankfully carries this process forward unchanged. A simple WSL install with no further arguments gets you Hyper-V and other in underpinnings of WSL, along with the current version of Ubuntu. If you aren't an Ubuntu fan, you can see what other easily installable distros are available with the command WSL-list-online. If you decide you prefer a different distro, you can install it with, for example, uh, OpenSUSE-42. If you're not sure which distribution you prefer, don't fret. You can install as many as you like simply by repeating the list to enumerate your options and install a distro to install whichever one you like. Installing a second distribution doesn't uninstall the first, it creates a separate environment independent of any others. You can run as many of these installed environments as you like simultaneously without fear of one messing up another. 
And it isn't an easy installation. WSL on Windows 11 brings support for both graphics and audio in WSL apps. This isn't exactly a first. Microsoft debuted WSLG in April with Windows 10 Insider Build 21.364, but Windows 11 is the first production Windows built with WSLG support. If this is your first time hearing of WSLG, the short version is simple. You can install GUI apps, for example, Firefox from your Ubuntu or other distro command line, and they work exactly as expected, including sound. When uh, install, uh, when uh, WSLG was installed on Windows on the framework laptop, running Firefox from Ubuntu terminal popped up the iconic browser automatically. Heading to YouTube in it worked perfectly too, and neither frame drops in the video nor glitches in the audio. And Microsoft has announced the new WSL features will be even easier to get in the future. The company has posted a preview version of WSL to the Microsoft Store so that Windows 11 can download and update WSL independently of other Windows updates. Many of Windows built-in apps have already moved to being updated through the Microsoft Store rather than through regular Windows updates. This gives the company more flexibility when deciding when to update apps. The one side effect has been that many Windows 11 pre-installed apps still haven't been fully updated for Windows 11. But long-term, it means you don't have to wait for a new Windows update to benefit from updated apps. Separated all, Mr. T would be happy because he doesn't have to update his Windows to update the apps. Yeah, well, that's not a bad thing. The uh, I tell you what, they definitely have looked like they've worked on the backwards compatibility a lot more in 11 than they have in previous operating systems. Yeah, the interoperability between mm. them as well. Because that's always been an issue. Like, uh, Part of the reason I've never switched to Linux is because there's a couple of programs that up until a few months ago never worked on Linux, they now do. And I've thought about swapping over, except it's been a hassle because I've got so much stuff in the Windows ecosystem. Yeah. But, um, and, like, I've got a couple of systems I'm still running Windows XP on just because the drivers and that program won't run on newer versions of Windows. Ah. But apparently, That's when you do XP compatibility mode in 11, it actually is literally XP. It thinks it's running under XP, whereas in, in Windows 10, it's just, sort of trying its best to make it work. <laughs> yep. um, Something a friend of mine from work pointed out, there's a website, protondb.com, and uh, because Steam is getting a lot of people to make Linux versions of their games so that mm. it can run on their Valve hardware, like their Steam device that looks like a Nintendo Switch, protondb.com lists all the games that are available how well they work on Linux devices, on Linux distros, and uh, tells you any problems. So you can see like uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive is all green. Dota 2 is green. There's a few problems with um, Pub uh, and Apex Legends. Team Fortress 2 seems to be pretty good. So people can report there what they've tried, tried it on, and um, you'll know that it's going to work on your Linux. Witcher and... Yeah. All sorts of stuff going on there. Age of Empires, Skyrim, Hitman, Mordor, Fallout, Sonic, GSX, all the good games. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Because that, that's been, you know, for somebody who's got, what have I got, over 1,100 games or something in Steam, <laughs> um, that has been one of the issues of swapping to, to Linux is... 
Like most, like almost all of those games aren't available on Linux. Yeah, yeah. But that is to say, that's in the process of changing now. Theoretically, and this has always been my issue with Linux. By rights, stuff should be running so much faster in Linux than it should be in Windows games, but. Yep. Because the chipset, a lot of the chipset manufacturers refuse to release their source code. For the drivers and stuff, For yeah. the drivers and whatever. They've always had to hack together drivers and they've just never worked as good as they should. Or count on John Smith when he gets around to doing a driver for your particular sound card or graphics card because he's the only one who supports that range because it's some obscure thing. That's it. Or as I was saying to, to Warlock earlier today that I found my old CD from back in like 2000-ish when we were creating a Linux-based um, uh, Quake server. Yep. Because Duke Nukem 3D and Quake multiplayer at the time was the big, the biggest sort of, you know, games around. It was like the equivalent of, of um, well, I guess, I don't know what would be, Counter-Strike maybe? I don't know, but mm-hmm. sort of the equivalent in terms of, you know, it was one of the biggest ones and we wanted to run a Linux server because the Windows servers at the time, maxing out a p- what was available as a PC, you could only get four or five players, maybe ten players, if you had a really good connection. Yeah. Um, but we ran the numbers and under Linux, we could put a hundred players on the same server. Ah. <laughs> uh, and we're running like as part of the computer store I was running it we were running some game servers yep. so we're obviously trying to maximise our ability to have more people connected to the, to one server because it's cheaper to run yep. and after many late nights and many cans of what was it Joel. back then no, I was, yeah I wish <laughs> no I think back the, we were drinking uh, speed back then there was an energy drink called speed <laughs> we're addicted to speed uh like literally like we'd drink like a crate a day oh, <laughs> a box a day it was bad how's um, your heart still going <laughs> you're lucky i was young um my heart just palpitates thinking about it now <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he the guy from star wars <laughs> but, yeah senator palpitates with <laughs> yeah. the lightning coming out his fingers right um but yeah and we spent hours and hours and hours like all sorts of late nights getting that up and running and we eventually didn't end up selling it to somebody else because we ended up getting out of that side of it after years but um yeah i know how painful setting up something to run on the linux can be that's not you know theoretically should be really really good but in reality it was incredibly painful to do yeah um hopefully this gives you the best of both worlds because you can you know you can attack it from two different angles at the same time yeah well a lot of people on my team uh, doing the same job as me, they have virtual um, installs of um, Ubuntu. Well, work uses CentOS, but um, there can be some Ubuntu and stuff uh, locally and run all the commands there. Mm. They wouldn't need to run the VMware and all this sort of stuff now because they could just open up their... Um, terminal and they've already got access to everything i ssh to the servers three ssh um connections to three different servers i don't keep anything locally i could because i got uh work to get me a macbook and um 
as you said before, it's virtually Linux underneath anyway. Mm. So I could just run everything from there, but I just find it easy to start off iTerm2 and it auto connects and logs into the servers I want to use and yeah. I can do everything. My internet is gigabit anyway, so it's fast to the US even through the VPN and everything just works well. I think one thing that will come out of this is support centers will have a different modality of of support whereas before it was all done via scripts and and the better text ran off memory a lot of the time they didn't have the os in front of them they're just trying to remember how to walk through the steps yeah but now with the uh, the ability to run windows and run red hat and run ubuntu and run citrix and run all these other variants at either simultaneously or at least very very quickly you could boot them and launch them yeah i think the the cross-platform multi-support sort of aspect of that will be beneficial you have one tech can have 20 different variants yeah on the one as thing a, as a reference point and you right? don't have to dual boot or any of this other yeah. crap as well <laughs> they're still in windows they're still running their normal connection session with you via windows and then they just load up whatever linux they need under that you know it's just gonna make windows more popular yeah, and without running it in a virtual terminal, there's no stupid mucking around setting up like you got to do in a, in a VMware to make it work. Yeah, all the allocations you've got to do, and then the memory hog part of it from being a VM and the CPU over usage, and yep. so the fact and that it driver just, issues, the fact that it just works, you know, yep. it's going to be fantastic. I, I can see it. Um, this is as much as I'm not a Windows fan, generally, and I'm, I mean I'm not. Not a, a Linux fanboy by any stretch of imagination, but I, I just don't. I'm not. I've never been much for Windows in terms of Microsoft themselves more so than Windows. But I think this is really something that's been very, very overdue in the, in what they've done. But I think they might have actually, for the most part, anyway. There's definitely some things in there that still need tweaking. But for the most part, I think they've this time it actually is actually what they've they've delivered more than they've promised yeah whereas traditionally it's the other way around they promise 47 new items and they give you three yeah heading in the right direction so um have we had word yet whether it's a free update or whether it's a paid update or it'd be a paid update surely what's that for the new windows 11 mine wasn't yeah, but it's still kind of in beta, and like it's not actually officially no, released. This is yet. like out out, and oh, is it? when when I installed it for dual boot, it came up. This is not activated, so I clicked on activate, and um, it said, um, "Do you have existing install?" I think or something like that. I hit yes, and it said, "Oh, we found Windows 10 on your computer. Do you want to use the product code for that for Windows 11?" Oh, okay. I go yes. It goes activated. So if you if it's an upgrade, it would be a free upgrade. Otherwise, it's going yeah, to be yeah over paid, the top. Yeah, a paid OEM. Otherwise, yeah. If you OEM. wanted to get it a new install or something like that, you would have to um, get an OEM copy and install yeah. it from there. But if you've already got Windows 10 on there, you can dual boot or you can install over the top of Windows 10. I wanted to make sure everything I've got is supported and all the programs I use all the time were working fine since yeah. everyone's like, oh, no, it only just came out on Tuesday. You don't want to go installing it because it'll probably crash or your window's not going to work or, or it won't work with drivers. You know, Microsoft, ha, 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 wait for the um, service pack one 
I was like, well, if I can dual boot, it doesn't matter if Windows 11 crashes and burns and doesn't work. I've still got Windows 10 and I can try out Windows 11 again later. But I haven't, I've only gone back to Windows 10 to find out what apps I was using and where they were installed and where the data was and then jump into Windows 11 and put all that stuff on there. <laughs> so I've got the same setup. You'll but I fun. like clean installs anyway, so I'd prefer Windows 11 on a fresh install on a different drive than overwriting Windows 10. Yeah, well, that's kind of what my thought process was. I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm never an early adopter. Um, I basically in, did it so I could talk about it on this show. <laughs> I'm never an early adopter in terms of, um, uh, like doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, yep. especially if it's something like on pro on a work process machine or something where it's you know, workflow is critical. I can't really afford to have a machine down for three days. Yeah. You know, if it's something like I'm mucking around on a computer and I upgrade, you know, one of my old computers or whatever, that's fine. But you know, I usually like to wait three to six months before they've got usually the first major update patch out and that fixes a lot of the, the early issues. And it's the same with um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's the same with like GoPros, for example. You know, the new GoPro 7 Black or whatever it is is out and there's so many people complaining about it. I'm like, yeah, but it's literally just come out. Every single GoPro <laughs> that's just come out is crap. Yeah. It takes six months for them to get the updates out to make it a stable platform. I'm like, this has literally been happening for like six years, seven years, eight years. Like it's the same thing every time they release a new one. You should know this. Haven't you figured it out yet? Don't buy it when it first comes out. <laughs> Wait six months till all the bugs are worked out of it. Then buy it, update the firmware, and it'll be fine. You know. The only <laughs> one bugbear that I had with Windows 11 install, I bought a new computer that I was going to turn into uh, my Linux server in the lounge room, but my daughter's got a friend who's coming to visit, so I ended up putting one of her... I didn't order a graphics card with the computer. I got... Uh, integrated yeah, GPU, <laughs> but I had um, my daughter's old graphics card in in the cupboard here, so I put that in, and I thought, okay, this is going to be the first computer I'll install Windows 11 on, just so I can test it out. So I downloaded the uh, boot onto a USB, plugged it into the computer, started up, starts down, copying all the files across, and then it goes. Sorry, Windows 11 can't be installed on this computer. <laughs> now, that's fine, but why? Yeah. The TPM chip was enabled in the firmware, and I checked all of that, and it's running the secure boot and all of these things, but it just says, sorry, you can't install it. And I don't know why I could... I ended up putting Windows 10 on there, and I could go in there now and run the PC Health check, and that would tell me. But, yeah, but I don't want to install me? Windows 10 to download PC Health and Check to run it to see if I can put Windows 11 to wipe it off, fix the thing, and install Windows 11. But not only that, why let me go to all the trouble of downloading it, installing it, and start to install it, then tell me you can't do it? Why is yep. that the very first thing that it does? When it boots up, it boots says, up. check, 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 these <laughs> yeah. are not there, Yeah. stop. Yeah, no. like, uh, yeah, I, I never said they were good. <laughs> That's what I mean, they... they they always manage to do something stupid. Yeah. You know, and I have I can't think of what, what else. It's a new CPU, new motherboard, new everything in there. It's an older graphics card. It's you got wouldn't the think TP that would matter. 
No, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. No. I don't know. But, well, I remember having that issue with... Um, uh, was it... Win- no, when Windows XP come out. Yep. Um, we were doing rollouts of XP and randomly all these, like... A lot of we had a lot of business customers, so we had a lot of IBM ThinkPads and and that sort of stuff. And you could have exactly the same spec ThinkPad, same year, same model number, same processor, same memory, same everything. One would install Windows XP, and the one next to it wouldn't. Yeah. Like they're literally exactly the same system. Um, and we're, what so what we ended up doing was we just pulled one of the drives, cloned it, and then every time we got one of those laptops, and we just put, put the clone petition back on. And it no, worked work. perfectly fine. <laughs> but it wouldn't let us install it on the same laptop. And it's like, huh? Uh, what? It didn't say why it wouldn't install. It just wouldn't install. It just hang the install. Yeah. But if you put the put Windows XP on there, cloned it on, it was perfectly fine. Yeah. Doesn't make and sense. So it's something that, that's not a new issue. That's something that's been... You think Microsoft would have ironed it out by now? <laughs> I mean, in the scheme of things, it's a relatively small issue, but still... And I Is guess any Microsoft techs who listen to our show, and we know you're yeah, out there. Right. <laughs> this is their top one uh, streaming from Microsoft.com, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, I, I get... And I think I read statistically somewhere that like 95% of, of Windows installs is actually updates, like yep. the upgrading operating system. Um. Even most people who buy a new computer, they get their old hard drive cloned or they keep their old hard drive and then the new Windows gets installed on top of that anyway. So yep. an actual virgin install of Windows is actually quite a rare thing apparently. Yeah. So yeah. it's probably not that really thoroughly tested because not that many people do it. All the OEMs would have already worked around it, building up new computers. I've got to add this week uh, in the mail... Uh, email course from uh, PLE computers where I buy all my stuff from and they said Windows 11 ready computers are all coming out now with Windows 11 installed on it do you remember when all the Windows Windows 2000 and computer Windows XP compatible computers come out <laughs> like three years before the operating system launched yeah. and by the time the operating <laughs> system launched they weren't compatible because they were too old yeah. <laughs> but it was compatible at the time we made <laughs> yeah. it when they first talked about it, it was compatible. Uh, uh, that was the biggest scam. That yeah. Let's just get a com- let's say this is Windows NT ready or Windows 2000 ready or and it's like people yeah, will buy okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interesting tweet this week. You can find on Twitter about one of the guys who worked on the original Xbox team that created the first Xbox. And Microsoft had um, been working for months and months with AMD to set up Xbox and they were running virtual machines to test Xbox on all these machines and stuff. And then they went, they were having the launch day and Bill Gates goes up on stage and all the front row is all AMD staff. Yeah, we're going to see Xbox running on AMD. And he said, we'd like to announce the new Intel Xbox. It's going to run only Intel chips. Everyone in the front row was like, "Huh? what? <laughs> we just spent months working with you to get the Xbox working and now what? So this guy has apologized officially 
for um, screwing them over at the last second and they didn't know and he said he didn't really know what was going on. It was Bill who came out and announced it. That's why when the Xbox launched, there was only like four games Mm. because that all had to be rewritten. (laughs) But PlayStation 2 did a similar thing because they released it and went, oh, hang on a minute. Those handful that are out in the wild, they've got to be returned and uh, we're going to release them with a different chipset. Oh. Exactly the same thing happened. They they had a chip in there that was they didn't actually have the rights to produce apparently and or something like that. I can't remember. It was a while ago. And then yeah, they went. Oh, hang on. We just got to rewrite all these games. Just give us a couple of months. <laughs> so yeah, I hopefully think it didn't hurt too many sales. No. Well, the but here's the dumb part. They got hindered so badly because at the time they come out, that was about the same time as the Dreamcast come out. And the GameCube. And the Dreamcast and the GameCube didn't have any of those sort of problems and died in the ass three months after being released. But the Xbox and the PlayStation that had all these massive issues continued. Yeah. How Everybody knows about the Red Ring of Death. Yeah. The Sega... And the power supplies that would overheat on the Xbox. Yeah, and the CD-ROMs that had just stopped working. Yeah. But then you had, like, yeah, the Sega Saturns, which had no issues at all as far as I'm aware... The GameCube, which for, I mean, I remember using the GameCube and it was fine. And then the Dreamcast was the most awesome machine out at the time. Yeah. And those three just disappeared off the face of the earth and somehow the PlayStation and the Xbox survived. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand that. You know, especially Sony, PlayStation, like, what does Sony have to do with games like yeah. you know all the other ones are at least gaming companies yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's bizarre speaking of things that are bizarre me speaking of other things that are bizarre <laughs> fbi arrest engineers for selling nuclear warship data hidden in peanut butter sandwiches oh no peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> peanut butter jelly time peanut butter jelly <laughs> anyway enough of that the FBI and Naval Criminal Investigation Service, or the NCIS, if you've ever watched a TV show, has arrested an engineer and a wife for trying to sell confidential military data. On Sunday, the US Department of Justice, or the DOJ, if you've ever watched uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> D-O-D-O-J-O-B-O-L-M-N-O-P, what was he? <laughs> the alphabet director or whatever he was called. Um, named Jonathan and Diana Tubey of... And and Annapolis, A double N A P O L S, Annapolis, <laughs> Maryland, as the suspects in a pilot, in a plot to sell information to a foreign government, according to the complaint. For close to a year, Jonathan, with the assistance of his wife, attempted to sell restricted class data in exchange for cryptocurrency. Jonathan served as a nuclear engineer for U.S. Navy during his time with the Navy. The 42-year-old worked on the Naval Nuclear Propul... Wow. Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program and had secured a high-level national security clearance. Tubay worked uh, with and had access to information concealing naval nuclear propulsion, including information related to military-sensitive design elements, operational parameters, performance characteristics, or actors for nuclear power warships. On April 1st, 2020, hmm. Jonathan allegedly sent a sample pack of information relating to the nuclear program to an unnamed foreign government together with a letter that allegedly read, because 
you can allegedly read a letter. You either have it or you don't. But anyway. I apologize for the poor translation into your language. Please forward this letter to your military intelligence agency. I believe this information will be of great value to your nation. This is not a hoax. The DOJ has accused the engineer of then forming a relationship over email with someone he believed was part of the government. Uh, Proton mail was used back and forth exchanges over the course. I love the name dropping. <laughs> was used for back and forth exchanges over the course of several months. And the names Alice and Bob, by June 8th, the contactee had a sent to a $10,000 payment in Monero cryptocurrency in good faith. And several weeks later, the engineer allegedly acted. Um, so I'm just going to skip all that stuff. So they then copied all the information to a SD storage card. Um Who happened? Who they, they sent they they sent the SD card to an undercover FBI agent who sent them a further twenty thousand in crypto. Uh, then they emailed them the encryption key. The FBI was then able to verify the legitimacy of the data and agreed for the price of seventy thousand. This time, to be smuggled the SD card into a chewing gum package. <laughs> Among the stolen data was schematics for the Virginia class submarine, the three billion dollar design of vehicle. Uh, which was to remain classified until at least 2060. Well, not anymore. <laughs> um, the, it was almost time for law enforcement to act, so they r- arranged for yet another package to data to be exchanged, and the next drop zone, the player arrested. They were due to appear in the West Virginia Federal Court to face uh, accusations of conspiracy to commit the restricted data and... C- Conspiracy to commit restricted data and communicating restricted data as violations of the Atomic Energy Act. Really? That's what they got them with? <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> I have a question. Mm. Where does the peanut butter sandwich come in? They didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> they talked about chewing gum. Yeah. And SD cards. No sandwich. I am disappointed. Oh, wait, hang on. It's hidden in another part of the article. The husband and wife traveled to West Virginia to an agreed drop location. While Diana assumed the role of lookout, Jonathan then placed half a peanut butter sandwich at the drop site and contained was the SD storage card containing the data. <laughs> it wasn't even a full sandwich. You know what it reminds me of? It's a, a really good movie I saw recently with Benedict Cumberbatch called The Courier. Oh, yeah. That's awesome story. Yeah. I still haven't watched that. I did watch a preview the other night, though. Oh, man. I, I was telling Dad all about it and got him to watch it, and I'm like, this is this is just great. Yeah, it looks really good. I'll have to watch that soon. Really good story about the Cuba crisis and Russia and this guy who was um, just a salesman a really good salesman in a company that he started over in the UK and they wanted to get information smuggled out of Russia. So they got him to open a branch in Russia and go and meet people over there. And he started smuggling stuff out and find out what happens. The true story of a British businessman unwittingly recruited into one of the greatest international conflicts in history. 
forming an unlikely partnership with a Soviet official hoping to prevent a nuclear con- contamination oh, confrontation. The two men worked together to provide the crucial intelligence used to defuse the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep. Box office, 22.6 million. It's only been out since March. Based on real story. Yep. Mm. No, it's it well worth a watch. Although, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's only uh, like 70%. Yeah, stuff them. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> They uh, said the surrogates movie was crap, like thirty percent or something. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't put much faith in Rotten Tomatoes. No. Although, wait, what was the? Uh, wasn't it Green Tomatoes? What was the operating it's system like for routers and stuff? Hmm? Uh, what's the operating system for routers and hubs and stuff? That's something Tomatoes, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fried Green Tomatoes is a movie. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's also actually not half bad if you've ever tomato. had it. I don't mind it, actually. <laughs> but there's a, yeah, there's a, I'm sure there's a router operating system, something Tomatoes or Tomato. Was it just tom- These, I remember back when Duke Nukem was a thing, Um, all our motherboards were Tomato brand motherboards. Oh, okay. Because they gave away a copy of Duke Nukem when you bought the motherboard. <laughs> so all my friends had to upgrade their computers anyway and they had to buy a copy of Duke anyway so we just bought tomato motherboards and killed two birds with one stone <laughs> yeah it just says tomato firmware tomato yeah okay it's just tomato yeah, yeah see I'm not entirely man- mad not completely yet not yet I'm working on it though TSMC, the world's largest contract chip maker, and Sony are considering a joint construction of a semiconductor facility in Western Japan amid a global chip shortage. The total investment in the project is estimated at 800 billion yen, which is $7 billion, with the Japanese government expected to provide up to half that amount. Japan's top auto parts maker, Denso, is also looking to participate through such steps as setting up equipment at the site. The Toyota Motor Group member seeks to seek stable supplies of chips used in its auto parts. Sony may also take a minority stake in a new company that will manage the factory, which will be, lo- be located in the Kumamoto Prefecture on land owned by Sony and in an area adjacent to the latter's image sensor factory, according to multiple people. The factory will make semiconductors using camera image sensors as well as chips for automobiles and other products and is slated to go into operation by 2024. Plans for the facility, which would be TSMC's first chip production operation in Japan, come as the global tech industry grapples with unprecedented semiconductor shortages and supply chain disruptions. The Japanese government, which is increasingly concerned about maintaining supply chain stability amid the chip shortage and rising tensions surrounding the Taiwan Strait, will support the project with subsidies. In exchange for subsidies, the government will seek a commitment that chip supplies to the Japanese market will take priority. I was just reading in this other article I'm looking at here on 9 to 5 Mac that uh, the TMSC or whatever they are, that that part of it um, is known for making a lot of Apple chips Ah. uh, in their factory they've currently got. Yep. But apparently in this one they won't be doing it, they won't be making them. Ah, all right. So... So your PlayStation will be right, because Sony's there. I'm assuming they decide to keep the same chips, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so apparently the... To add to the mess, US does not formally recognise Taiwan as a country. 
but the Taiwan Relationships Act of US law does require it to help Taiwan defund itself, defend <laughs> itself. So they don't recognise them as the country, but they have to defend them if they go to war. Yeah, sounds good. That sounds exactly like something America would do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of the next leap in advanced production facilities, isn't it? I mean, you're getting more, more uh, processor-heavy uh, builds being completed every day, whether it's new cars, whether it's computers, whether it's you know just technology in general. Everything's getting more and more chip hungry. So yep. I, I realise there's an artificial crisis, but uh, that's not necessary. I mean, I remember back in the day um, when I was at school, red LEDs were sort of fairly new, yep. and they're quite expensive. Like a, a little red LED at the time, you know, to buy from Tandy. <laughs> back when Tandy was a thing, um, were a couple of dollars each. Yeah. You know, now you can buy a box of a thousand for a few cents. But it took them forever to get blue to work as well. Yeah, blue and green, or they're low of different voltages and wavelengths and that's a whole other story and clear ones. But yeah, blue were the primary ones. Oh, the red were the primary ones. I think green were the secondary ones. They were the next easiest one to make. And they were expensive. And then yep. when I was at school we were told that um we had to reuse, like we used to make electronic projects on a breadboard and you'd just make them, you know, little radios and little flashing lights and whatever. But halfway through the year, we had to start reusing LEDs because LED demand was our stripping supply because at the time there was only like three factories in the world making LEDs. <laughs> right. And suddenly all these people were discovering new uses for them and LEDs went from being... Okay, they went from being really expensive to really, really, really expensive for a while because demand was our stripping supply. Yep. But now they've become one of the most ubiquitous components. Christmas lights. You know? Well, everything. Your, your monitor, your your lighting, and, you know, all my lights are all LED. A mouse. You know, your backlight on your phone. You know, just about everything you can think of almost these days has LEDs in it. Yeah. And so that's the same thing with chips. They've gone from being something that's necessary to make it, like... They started off making silicon chips to replace transistors and valves and stuff just out of simplicity. Then they started adding chips to chips for simplicity. Then they started making processors, which is chips on chips on chips on chips, for convenience and for speed and for power reduction. System on a chip, and then yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Then they sort of went to system on chips, or whole entire computers. You know, whether it's a, whether it's a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino or a credit card board or, or whatever. You got all that complexity, and then now you've got multiple capability chips. Like you've got CPU chips that are also GPU chips. You know, they're all combined together, and they're getting more and more ambiguous. You know, used to like a mobile phone used to have whatever bulk supply of CPUs was laying around and whatever bulk supply of GPUs was laying around, they throw it on a phone and go, hey, it's our new phone. Yep. You know, but now they're making chips specifically for mobile devices. So the, and okay, there was a, there was an artificial shortage, shortage of chips started last year, but it was going to be a natural progression. You know, you look at Tesla's just cr- opened up like five mega factories. Well, suddenly they've, 
got five times well more because the factories are actually running faster. They got seven or eight times the production of vehicles coming out, mm. which means seven or eight times more chips required. And if the system was only just coping before, it's not going to be coping now. So <laughs> this was sort of the next. This is like the whole um, when Japan did the thing and they went from you know. There's a period where you wouldn't touch anything that came out of Japan. Yep. And then they suddenly became, you know, especially in the late 70s to sort of even really up into the late early 90s, that was the place where you wanted your stuff produced. You know, because they had the technology, they had the ability, they had the quality. Um, and they, were the, they jumped on the bandwagon early enough to get the infrastructure to handle that stuff. You know, and that's the next logical project progression for for chip production. There's going to have to be more factories. It's just that simple because the the factories that are there can't, especially when you get somebody like Apple who ties up, like Foxconn, they tie up a factory for six or eight or nine months, yep. just making chips for them. So suddenly that factory is out of production, making whatever chips they were making prior to to that happening. You know, because I, I was even trying to get some. Um, I'm doing a project at the moment. I was using some of the old triple eight timer chips, which are one of the most used chips in the world. Like they're in everything. They're one of the five. most. Tri- sorry, triple. Not say triple eight. That's a racing team. Yeah, triple five timer chips. Um, and I went to Jcar because they used to have boxes of them. Yeah. I went to Jcar to buy like three. Nah. No. <laughs> I went to you know the. Jcar online. I thought I'll order it from there. No, I went to um, RT uh, RT online, and no, Wheeltronics had some, so I got some from there. And other than that, the only ones I could get were like generic, no-name eBay specials. Oh. It's like they're just one of the most common chips in the world have disappeared because <laughs> they even <laughs> used it in the most useful in the device show. in the universe. They're, they're in ev- almost anything that's got a sequence or a pattern they're being used in. Like, that's just yep. what they're for. Whether it's really cheap Christmas lights, whether it's multi-million dollar lighting displays, they all use the chip because it's such a versatile chip. Yep. You know, but it's not, you just can't get them at the moment. <laughs> so, it's quite strange thinking that, um, I guess we're so used to the uh, the concept of just it being there. Yeah, you know, oh, I need that component. It's it's the whole, what do they call it? Um, start. What do they call it? Short, uh, start ordering or something. It's like literally you don't order a component till you need it, and then when you need it, you get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not a thing anymore. You in it, you order a component six months before you need it now. Yeah. <laughs> just in time. Just that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, just in time. Component ordering or delivery. You know, it doesn't happen now. No. Even. Simple stuff. Well, I say simple stuff like batteries. That, are in technology standpoint, they're very simple thing. Nothing special. Even those are six, eight, twelve months back ordered in some cases. Yep. Just because you know, one step somewhere along the way got postponed, and the entire thing's been held up. Yep. yep. So it's interesting times. Um. Well, I guess quickly. Uh, you know, Microsoft's been spruiking the whole how you need to use Office 365 because it's good. Yeah. And uh, by the way, passwords are bad. Um, well, Microsoft just had a password attack. Oh. 
on Office 365 customers. <laughs> so if you're an Office 365 customer in the US um, or using the US Office version of Office 365, um, they've been attacked with what they're calling a password spray attack where attackers try to access many accounts with commonly used password. They're doing um, that with Coinbase at the moment too. Mm. I found out today that's how an account was created in one of my email addresses that I never used on any of those sites. Uh, okay. It said, hi, you've just signed up here. Please click here to activate it. And I did, thinking it was for my current account. And I was like, hang on. No, it's not. So I contacted them and they deleted it, but they've been hit. Because what they're doing is they're, they're sending out thousands, hundreds of thousands of signups and recording which Who's ones going? say, sorry, this account already exists. Mm. Then they know that email address is valid for Coinbase crypto. Yep. So they send a phishing email to that email account to say, hey, click here to secure your Coinbase or whatever, and it hacks their stuff. Yeah. I've been having, and a lot of the time it's actually an official. It was. The one that I got was official, but it was for an address that I didn't use on that site. Yeah. So it's no good to them because they know that the account didn't already exist. Well, I've had two, I've had the same thing with Mojang over the last few days. Oh, right. Mojang account reset passwords being sent saying, did you request a reset? Um, so they must be doing the same thing with Mojang at the moment. Yeah, actually, now you think of it, there was something else I got just in the last week and it said, you created a new account or something, click here to verify it. And I was like, no, I didn't. I'll mm. just delete that. So, yeah, so basically, they're basically, that's yeah what they're doing pretty much. And then they're targeting it and, and logging in and compromising it and getting all your information. Um, but the thing I found funny about this whole story is they're like, the headline is uh, Microsoft recommends it's recommend you turn on multi-factor authentication. Now, it was only last week we covered a story how Microsoft is uh, getting rid of passwords and multi-factor authentication. And yet today they've come out and said that we recommend you change your password <laughs> and you enable multi-factor authentication. Yeah. It's like, well, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> so if multi-factor multi-factor authentication and passwords is not secure how is no passwords much more secure <laughs> no. but yeah so if you if you've got a if you've got a windows um 365 account just check to make sure there hasn't been any um weird activity on there you, there are ways you can go check the log see who the last person to log in and location and stuff but yep. it's easy enough to check if something seems to be disturbed I guess the only upside to that is unless it's a corporate account or something really, really lucky, the chances of there being any sort of valuable data kept in there is pretty slim. Yeah. So. That's it for me. How about you? Uh, just quickly, Facebook sends a cease and desist order. Order? Order. Letter. <laughs> English is hard. Uh, cease and desist letter asking, to, asking for unfollow everything to be scrapped. Um, now I've heard I don't know a lot about them. Maybe you know more than I do. I've have heard about this a little bit, and from what I understand, um, it's basically a quick way to clean up your feed. You can unfollow friends or groups or pages that you don't interact with that often. Yeah. And sort of a bulk 
I guess, a, a, a reverse bulk spam tool that <laughs> you delete stuff you don't want. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, Unfollow Everything creator Lewis Buckley tweeted on Thursday that he's received a cease and desist letter from Facebook's lawyers. I, I love the way this is worded too. Tweeted on Thursday that he received a cease and desist lawyers letter from Facebook's lawyers requesting for his browser extension to be taken down. Now, in quotes, I received a cease and desist order from Facebook lawyers asking for a browser extension to be taken down. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you just <laughs> either put that first bit in quotes or get rid of the second? Like, you've literally just said the same thing twice. Yeah. Uh, they told me I've been banned from Facebook for life because I make unfollow everything. Um, yeah, unfollow everything is a browser extension that allows users to delete their news feeds by allowing unfollowing their friends, groups, and pages. The browser extension was created to help Facebook users spend less time on social media. I uh, received a second assistance assist letter shortly after being banned. He's also written a more detailed response to cease and desist letter ban. Um, it's not really much point. I mean, it's not like they delete your account off the server after you unfollow and everything. No. If you close your Facebook account, it's still there. You can just open it again later or recreate it and it'll still be the same. So, But it doesn't even delete your account so much as it just deletes people you don't want to follow. And yeah, the unfollow, yeah. It unfollows yeah. everybody and everything in your account you should probably want to do just before you delete your account. Yeah, but you I don't know why do that, that should anyway. be a misuse of Facebook's stuff when it's just the thing that's instead of you going unfriend, yeah. yes, unfriend, yes, unfollow, yes, unlike, yes, it just goes room and does it for you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, but it just goes to show you the power trip that Facebook's on. Ah, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's like Donald It's Trump. still up in the Chrome store. Yeah, you can install it on Chrome, you can install it on Android, you just can't, you, you can't, it won't, from what I understand, it just doesn't work in Facebook now, or it does work partly or they've broken some of the functionality or something. Um, you know, it's just Facebook just being Facebook. Like, you know, Donald Trump's file is still trying to get his account reinstated. Back. And you Twitter know. too, isn't And he? Twitter, yeah. <laughs> I think he's he's back on like, um, he's back on Instagram or something, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tech company said no. Yeah, it's strange. Um but yeah, there's not a heck of a lot going on. I'd like to thank our um, patrons as well for their support. It does help out, guys. Thanks a lot for yep. that. And um, we didn't spook at this show, but you know where to find us. The same place it's been for the last eight years or whatever it's been. <laughs> <laughs> How long? That's been more than that. I don't know work out the other day. I can't remember now. It was seven, nine years or something I've been with them. I don't know. Wow. Something like that. But... Uh, no, it does help, guys. The, the the few, not that we get a lot, but the few that we do get make a big difference to help us keeping the show running. And yeah, and uh, shout out to um, oh, I knew I was going to do that as soon as I said it. I've forgotten his name. Um, Ozzy, you know who you are. Um, I can't think of his name at the moment. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> hit me up on uh, on Discord and have a chat earlier. So. Uh, and if you do see us online, you know, we do have a, an ATH uh, Discord group. If you want to get on Aussie Techage, you can jump online there and, and hit us up there. And when we're online, feel free to have a chat or yep. send us a message and 
we'll get harass to Will. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I I like all forms of harassment. Yeah. I'm not I'm not fussy. You're not discriminatory in that. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> I don't care at all. Uh, I'll take any sort of attention I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.